Well, good morning, everyone. As uh, we were just told, we're going to be jumping ahead in our series uh, on 2 Corinthians, and we're going to be looking at chapter 8 and chapter 9, and our focus really is going to be on chapter 9 today. And I would uh, like to uh, begin reading in chapter 9 and verse 6 to the end of the chapter. And so uh, in this portion of scripture, chapter 8 and chapter 9, the Apostle Paul really uh, introduces to us a brand new topic. And the brand new topic is what many have referred to as grace giving. So these two chapters uh, deal with uh, how we're to serve God. You'll note that even in the portion that we are going to read in a minute. Um, But uh, you also see the word grace used often. And so what Paul is focused on is how we're to serve God uh, even in our giving. And that giving should bring joy to us and bring us closer to God. And uh, he, he is focused, however, that this is part of our service uh, to him. And so uh, we're going to, this will not be a message just focused on, on giving today, because really Paul, I think here and elsewhere, is talking about giving in a lot of different uh, ways, not just uh, our finances, but uh, talking about how we're to give of our person as well as our purse. So please follow along as I begin reading in chapter uh, 9 and verse 6. The Apostle Paul says this, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. So if we stop just for a moment there, let's realize that Paul is not taking us back to the Old Testament. He's not dealing with a command of of tithe. He's saying that there's something new here in the New Testament. And uh, it is this grace giving that uh, we give uh, really uh, not out of compulsion, but out of a cheerful heart that is touched by the grace and mercy and love of Almighty God. And so then he tells us in verse 8, and I want you to to take note as I read this, that I'm going to emphasize uh, some words that I think are important to us. So it tells us in verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And so he's talking about giving, being a good work, and it's, a, it's really giving uh, out of uh, a, heart to, a heart that's filled with gratitude. And when our hearts are filled with gratitude, it prompts this grace giving. And so he then, uh, in verse 9, says, As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way 
which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Now, I want you to realize that here is the culmination of chapter 8 and chapter 9 when he's talking about serving God through giving. And as he talks about thankfulness, not only in this chapter, but also in chapter 8, notice verse 16, it says this, but thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. But note, Here's how he concludes these two chapters focused on the service of giving. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And so here uh, the apostle wants us to know that we are to uh, celebrate the greatest gift. And the greatest gift ever given was Jesus himself. And so we owe... Uh, God, unlimited thanks and gratitude and praise for sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to suffer and to die and to shed his precious blood that you and I might have the forgiveness of our sin and the hope of eternal life. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible, unspeakable gift. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, I uh, thank you that we can come together today and uh, to join together as a body uh, to sing praises to your holy name, uh, to thank you for your goodness. And Lord, uh, we realize that there are so many things that we can thank you for because every good gift comes down from the Father on high, the Father of lights. We're thankful, Lord, that uh, we can come here today with praise in our hearts and minds because you are so good. You're so good to each and every one of us. Lord, I'm reminded of the words of the psalmist in Psalm 100 when he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Lord, I, I pray that as we have gathered here together today, and as you look at us and you can see what's in our hearts and in our minds, not just what's on our lips, that, that we've entered into this service today with thanksgiving. I pray, Lord, that we're here in this auditorium with praise on our lips for you. I pray, Lord, that we would be people that, as you look at us, you see people who are filled with thanksgiving and, and gratitude, and that we're here uh, to bless your name today, because we realize how good and gracious and great you really are. Lord, today we thank you for your steadfast love. 
We're thankful for how faithful you are uh, to all generations. And right now, Lord, that, that generation is all of us. And, and we're so impacted by how faithful you really are to us. So we thank you. It is our prayer today, Lord, that we would honor and glorify you in all that we say and do. We pray that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray that the very spirit of God would open our hearts and minds to the truth of your word and that you would give us understanding in all things and that you would help us to be able to apply your word to our daily lives. God, I pray that as we pray every single Sunday that the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort would comfort and, and strengthen those today who are brokenhearted and are going through difficult times. I pray that we would experience that uh, supernatural peace that passes all understanding. I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom as you gave it to uh, Solomon. I pray that you'd help us, Lord Jesus, to not only impact one another's lives, but may we impact our community and beyond, Lord. We thank you for all things. We thank you for living here in this country, but we realize, Lord, that our country, our community needs revival. We pray, Lord, that there would be true repentance on the hearts of Christians and that there would be a true turning back to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless our country, bless our, our community right here in North Syracuse. Bless uh, all of our elected officials. Protect them and, and provide for them. And may they all, Lord, uh, uh, turn to you and may they seek to uh, honor and glorify you in the decisions that they make. And may those decisions, Lord, positively impact our lives and the lives of our church. And uh, Lord, uh, we just ask that as we leave here at the end of uh, this service, that we might uh, leave here rejoicing that we have been here. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that, that you would place in our hearts a desire to return. And so thank you, Lord, for this passage. Make it come alive to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is a passage that really talks about giving, and uh, when we think of uh, the season that we are in, uh, first of all, you know, we think of uh, Christmas, and Christmas seems to start earlier and earlier each year, doesn't it? And uh, so, you know, you see television programs starting earlier and earlier about Christmas, and you see decorations up earlier and earlier, and people are shopping earlier and, and earlier. And when you think about uh, Christmas especially, you think about giving and receiving gifts, don't you? So I'm sure that some of you are focused on giving, and that's great. Maybe you're thinking about you know, who you want to buy gifts for and what gifts do you want to buy and so forth. And maybe some, and I'm not asking for a raise of hands this morning, but maybe there are some where, yeah, you're thinking, yeah, that giving is okay, but I'm more concerned about receiving. And I sure hope that uh, I get this or I get that or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's not totally wrong. I mean, we look forward to giving, hopefully, and, and uh, receiving. But as Christians, we need to be uh, cheerful givers, and we ought to want to give not only of our resources, but we ought to want to give of our, of our very lives. When Paul talks about the Macedonian Christians and how they gave, even though they were living in great poverty, he talks about how they first gave themselves to God. That's in chapter 8. And so as we give ourselves to God, there, there ought to be 
this, this desire deep within us to, to be givers, not just takers, and not just be about um, what we might uh, receive. But we look forward to Christmas and, and giving. John MacArthur says this. He says, God loves a heart that is enthusiastically thrilled with the pleasure of giving. I love that. Let me read it one more time. God loves a heart that is enthusiastically thrilled with the pleasure of giving. I think that's what Paul was talking about in the portion of scripture that we read when uh, he tells us that we need to, to give not under compulsion, not under a command, not being forced to give, but uh, we've decided in our hearts and we are cheerful givers. You see, God's pleased with that. And so <clears throat> these chapters talk not only about giving, but it, Paul ties it with thanksgiving. Now, I don't know what's your favorite holiday, and, and maybe technically speaking, Thanksgiving isn't a holiday, but it's one of those days that we kind of view it as such. And so maybe some of you are really looking forward to Christmas, and your past experiences have been great about Christmas, and you can't wait for Christmas, and you're all excited about Christmas. You're really into whatever this means, the Christmas spirit. And uh, I, I enjoy Christmas. I like Christmas probably mainly because of the message of Christmas itself about Jesus, uh, his birth, and, and so forth. Uh, I love Easter, uh, and we celebrate Easter, and it's exciting because, you know, well, Easter kind of indicates that spring is, is here, and, and, you know, may hopefully anyway the snow's gone, and we're looking forward to summer and things growing. And, and as Christians, Easter is such a great time because we celebrate uh, not just the birth of Jesus like we do at Christmas, but we celebrate the fact that he died uh, on the cross of Calvary for our sins, and we celebrate that he didn't remain in that grave. That's something to celebrate. Because he lives, we uh, can live also. And so we celebrate the resurrection, and uh, that ought to be an exciting time. But from a human standpoint, I, I love thanksgiving the best that's my that's my favorite time of the year i'm not totally sure why my brother and i kind of as we are getting older are thinking a lot more about our growing up years and what we remember about christmas and what we remember about different things happening in our in our youth and uh, i love thanksgiving and so i've been doing a lot of thinking about thanksgiving and when we think about thanksgiving thanksgiving uh makes us hopefully anyway it makes us uh, more uh, appreciative. So it focuses on appreciation. It focuses on gratitude. It focuses on thankfulness. Now, hopefully, we're thankful and, and we're, we're filled with gratitude more than just, uh, you know, one day or one season out, out of the year. But I want you to realize that what Paul does here in chapter 8 and chapter uh, 9, he ties together giving uh, and thankfulness. And so, uh, you know, what are you blessed for? Well, you know, there was a number of weeks ago now, it probably was during the summer, that uh, I gave a message on gratitude and so forth. And here was the uh, state statement that was made. What if you woke up today with only what you thanked God for yesterday? You remember that? 
Well, uh, I've been uh, doing a lot of thinking about that, and even yesterday when I was all by myself, I was thinking about my message, and I got thinking about that statement uh, because uh, I received an email from my friend David Anderson at Bridgeway Community Church, and he said, you remember what you talked about in in Nigeria? And, And he quoted this statement. And he said, I just want you to know that that's what we're focused on at Bridgeway Community Church this Sunday and this Thanksgiving. And so we communicated about that. And uh, thanking God for the little things and thanking God for the big things. So yesterday, as I was sitting and just thinking about this, I had a cup of coffee. And I thought, you know, maybe if I don't thank God today for the coffee, I won't have a cup tomorrow morning. Now, you might laugh at that, and and I kind of laughed at that too, but I I made sure that I said to God, thank you for the coffee. I'd really like to have a cup tomorrow morning too. Now, you might benefit by that because I'm more wide awake when I have my coffee. I'm probably happier too, so, you know, you you don't want, you know, me to be in a bad mood because I didn't have my coffee. So I thank God for that. And I thought, well, that's just a little thing. Now, I wouldn't put other things, some other things anyway, that I'm thankful for uh, in the same category. I'm thankful to be able to drink a cup of coffee. But I'm really thankful for my wife Elaine. I wouldn't put those in the same category. Some things are more significant than others, but we're to be thankful for everything. Yesterday, later in the morning, I was here at church and nobody was here in the auditorium. And so I came over and did yesterday what some of you did this morning. And I hope you do after the service and and, uh, so forth. So I took some of these pads and I started to write down. If you come up here and you look at some of them, you'll find one that says, thank you for coffee to drink. But there's also one there that says, thank you, God, for Elaine. Now, if you laugh at that, and it might be funny to, to a few of you, uh, I got thinking about the scripture and was, was uh, you know, Paul thankful for, for only for big things? No, I don't think so. So I, I got thinking about this, and we generally will thank God for the food. Um, if you go out to a restaurant, do you bow your head? Do you thank God? I hope you're not the kind that necessarily asks everybody in the restaurant to bow their heads and you pray a prayer that everybody in that restaurant hears and and all around the world. But, you know, we shouldn't be ashamed before the world to bow our heads and to thank God for, for our food. Is that a significant thing? Well, probably not as significant as thanking God for people that he has brought into our lives. Clearly not as significant as thanking God for the greatest gift ever, Jesus Christ, but we can be thankful for the food. So you know it's the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18 that gives us a command, and the command is that in everything give thanks. And so I was thinking about that, and in Acts chapter 27, you can check that out later, but in Acts chapter 27, the Apostle Paul is on his way to Rome. They're in a ship, and they're having a really tough crossing. And uh, they're in a a terrible storm and so forth. And uh, everybody on the ship, in fact, he tells us that there are 276 people on the ship. And, uh, you know, they're afraid that they're going to die and so forth. And and I I took note of this. In uh, verse 33, the Apostle Paul says this. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to uh, take some food, saying, Today is uh, the 14th day 
that you have continued in uh, suspense and without food, uh, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, uh, for not a hair is to perish from the head, for the head of any of you. So that must have made them feel good, but they're at sea. They're not eating. They haven't eaten for 14 days. If you've ever been at sea during a storm, and if you've gotten sick at sea, uh, you know this is not unusual. You don't even want to look at food. And uh, here's the key, though, verse 35. Here's what Paul says. And when he had said these things, he took bread. I doubt if this was a real big Thanksgiving kind of dinner, you know, with turkey and all. They were probably lucky to just have bread. And here's what it says. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. And so here's Paul at sea uh, with uh, just uh, meager food. And who is he thanking? He's thanking God even for the little things. It then tells us in verse 36, then they all were encouraged and uh, ate some food themselves. And so we're, we're to be thankful to God for the significant things and, and, and the small things. So what would you be without today? Not tomorrow, but what would you be without today uh, if that statement were really true and you didn't thank God for certain things yesterday, so you didn't have them uh, today. What blessings would you uh, forfeit today because you didn't thank God for those blessings uh, yesterday? And so I uh, saw that there's a new book coming out. The name of the book is uh, Just Say Thanks. And you realize that, that sometimes when, when we, uh, you know, say th thanks to uh, people or whatever, sometimes it's really not from our hearts. We, it's, just, it's, it's just a polite thing to, to say. And so, you know, we see people or whatever and we say, hey, thanks or thank you. Um, but it's, it ought to be something really from the heart. And so this new book that's coming out entitled Just Say Thanks talks about this, that we, we should be cultivating gratitude because cultivating gratitude deepens our intimacy with God. And so it asks a bunch of questions. Are you more likely to criticize than to praise? Are you quicker to complain than to thank? Are you apt to vent disappointment uh, before expressing thankfulness? Well, the book goes on and says this, if you answer yes to these questions, you need to learn to be more grateful and appreciative. Well, that's probably somewhat true uh, to all of us. And so the, today, let's think about a couple of different things. First of all, the whole concept of thankfulness as we enter into uh, this Thanksgiving season. And as we might be the kind of people who are quick to say thank you, but whether it comes from the heart or not, uh, might not necessarily be true, but God sees what's in our heart. And so even in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, he talks about giving and how we're to decide it in our hearts. 
And so it should be a heart thing. So when we're thankful, it should really come from our hearts. And uh, I think that uh, we need to, to realize then that when we talk about thankfulness, it's an attitude uh, as well as an expression of appreciation and gratitude. So when we uh, talk about being thankful, when we talk about thanksgiving, we're talking about something that's an attitude as well as an expression. So it begins, though, with that attitude. It begins with what's in our hearts and in our minds. So when we're truly thankful, it, it's something that, that comes from our hearts. And so maybe there are times when we express thankfulness that, that really it's not coming from our hearts. God's not pleased with that. But maybe you have this view. Well, God knows I'm thankful, and uh, you know I'm thankful, so I don't need to tell you. I had a good friend many, many years ago, even in college, that we would go out for breakfast, this and that, and he would always say, well, we don't need to pray. God knows that I'm thankful for food. And he probably was really thankful for food. He enjoyed his food, and he looked like he enjoyed his food. But uh, you and I need to realize that it's not just something that's in our hearts. It needs to be expressed. And so when we talk about thankfulness, we're, we're talking about you know, not the attitude and, and expression of appreciation and uh, gratitude that uh, we're, we're individuals who are filled with gratitude. So in the Old Testament, uh, the word uh, thankfulness and so forth was, was closely associated with the idea of praise. And so uh, it was associated with adoration. And so when you were thankful for something and thankful to God especially, you adored God, you praised him, you gave him thanks. You find that especially in the book of Leviticus where you have all of these offerings and so forth to God. And what were the offerings about? Thanking God for his goodness and how he took care of, of everybody. And so, uh, he, you know, most often then it was associated with praise. And, and it really was, was focused on uh, having, you know, a heart that was showing gratitude. And gratitude really was about recognizing uh, the value of something. And so when you recognize the value of something and you're really thankful and filled with, with gratitude, then you think about that, you feel something about it, and you express that in some way. And so we need to be individuals who have thankfulness in our hearts, but it needs to be expressed as well. I think it's great to, to, that, that, to see so many people and the kids coming up here today and just putting on these cards, things that they're thankful for, and uh, putting them on this vine. You see, the vine represents the true vine, Jesus Christ, and it's just a visual for all of us to... To, to voice our thankfulness to God and, and to have them up here. And so uh, yesterday, as I mentioned, I, I came up and, and uh, just by myself and I, I put down things that I've, I've been thankful for here at this church and, and, and at home and, and so forth. And uh, I hope that, that you do that as well. And everything that I put down that I was thankful for had some value to it. Not, not a value to it in, in regards to money or gold and things like that, but I valued that in some way. And so when we thought, think then about thankfulness in the New Testament, the New Testament expands uh, the concept of thankfulness. 
and uh, it deals with us voicing our thankfulness to God, uh, praising God, but also voicing that thankfulness uh, to other people and praising them. That's why the Apostle Paul ends almost every single letter in a list of people that he's thanking God for and praising God for. And so the New Testament then expands this. And so when, when we are being thankful, when we understand the concept of thankfulness, then we're showing gratitude uh, because we've recognized the value of something. Now there's a, there's a key principle that I hope you get. And the key principle is this. The more thankful you are, the more thankful you are, the closer you will be, or maybe we could even say it this way, the closer you will feel uh, to God. And uh, the happier you will be as a follower of Christ. And so when we understand that God wants us to have thankful hearts, when we understand that in the Old Testament we're to enter into our relationship with God and worship Him with thanksgiving and praise and and, and be able to thank him for his goodness and so forth. We need to realize that the more thankful we are, the closer we are to God in our relationship. Now, our thankfulness and our praise is not what makes us uh, fit for heaven. But after you're saved and you understand the grace of Almighty God, you thank God and the more thankful you are, the closer you will feel to God, and the closer you feel to God, the happier you will be. In this world, we talked about this even last week, this world needs to see Christians who are happy. I mean, why would they want to join us as followers of Christ if uh, we're sad, angry, bitter, and complaining all the time, they need to see that regardless, even if we're on a ship with the Apostle Paul and, and the ship is going through a terrible storm, we can thank God for what we have. And so here's the, the principle then. If you want to be happy, then you, you need to uh, be close to God. If you want to be close to God, start voicing true thankfulness and gratitude towards him. Well, then the Apostle Paul, I think in the passages, uh, really uh, gives us this call for being thankful. And all of the thankfulness that we take note of in 2 Corinthians and in 1 Corinthians is focused on the Corinthian church. So think about this. Now, here's a church that's causing Paul all kinds of trouble. Here's a church that later in the book of 2 Corinthians, he'll talk about how he was shipwrecked and all this, and he says this, and on top of all that, I have the anxiety, the cares, the worries of all the churches. And the biggest worry he had was the church at Corinth. But he was thankful to God even for those people. And so we find Paul giving us an example. And I want you to turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians we're, I'm only going to look at really one verse here, or a few verses, but it's in the first chapter. And I want you to take note how Paul ta starts the, the, the uh, first book that he wrote here to the uh, Corinthians. After he tells them, you know, Paul called by the will of God and so forth to the church of God that is at Corinth. He says in verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But then notice the thankfulness in verse 4, I give thanks to my God always, for who? For you. 
I thank God for this church that causes me a lot of anxiety. But I'm thankful to God for each of you. Always, he says. Now why? Well, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. And so he goes on, and here's what he's saying. I'm so thankful for you because I see the grace of Almighty God working in your lives. Not only in salvation. You know, Paul really praised them because as a church, they had more gifted people than probably most churches. But he realized that those gifts were given to them by the grace of Almighty God. And so Paul's saying this, I thank God for you. I thank God for seeing the grace, his grace working in you, in salvation, and in your service, and in how gifted you are. I'm thankful for you. Now, in 2 Corinthians, I want you to take note of Paul's example here. So not only is he thankful for the grace he saw in their lives in 1 Corinthians, but notice, <clears throat> excuse me, in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. Notice how Paul talks about uh, thankfulness here. Verse uh, 11, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So what is he saying here? He's saying this, I'm thankful for your prayers. I'm thankful that your prayers have caused other people to pray and to give thanks. Isn't it true that thankfulness is catchy? I mean, isn't it, isn't it true that when you're with people who are positive and thankful to God and thankful for everything, that, that somehow it helps you to be more thankful? And the opposite is true? When you're with somebody who's complaining all the time, fussing all the time, never happy, uh, and never thankful, then unfortunately, you're either lifting them up or more often, and here's the problem, they're pulling you down. And so here Paul's talking about how thankful he is that for their prayers and how that prayer, those, their prayers cause many to, to give thank, thanks to God. Notice in chapter 2, verse 14, he says this, but thanks be to God who uh, in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And he goes on. Well, what is he talking about here? He's thankful for the work of God. He's thankful for the, for the grace that is in their lives. And he's thankful for the victory that God gives to them over sin and life-dominating sins in their lives. Well, then I want you to notice in chapter 4, he talks about uh, this issue of thankfulness again. And in verse 14, uh, he says uh, this. Knowing, verse 14 and 15, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may, notice, increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And so what's he telling us here? He's bringing together grace and gratitude again. Thanksgiving, uh, you know, uh, come from the, the same root word here, grace and, and uh, thanksgiving and gratitude. Thankfulness is built on, on the word grace. And so gratitude increases in the realm of grace. So spreading grace increases gratitude. That's what Paul's talking about here. And so Paul is this great example to us. And then in, in chapter 8, 
In verse 16, he says this, But thanks be to God, who put into uh, the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. And so Paul cares about the church at Corinth. He cared about this, this collection that he was making. And he was thankful to God for Titus, because Titus had the same cares, the same concerns that he did. And so he gives us this example. Well, then uh, in chapter 8 and 9, he, he gives us this exhortation about uh, thankfulness. And uh, we don't have the time to look at the whole thing, but in chapter 8 and chapter 9, as I've already mentioned, he deals with what we refer to as grace giving. So we're, we're to give uh, because we're so touched by the grace of Almighty God, not because we're commanded, not because somebody has, has forced us to give. One of the things I'm, I have down here somewhere is a card that uh, I thanked God for uh, somebody, uh, a group of people really, Wednesday night. So Wednesday night at our business meeting, we talked about our finances, and this is true probably every year about this time, but we're, we're behind probably about $31,000 in our budget. And uh, we're really looking to God and God's people to help us to, to catch up. But normally, we don't end our fiscal year December 31st. This year, we will because we are going on to a calendar year uh, and replacing a fiscal year. So we, we need to catch up. Now, here's what I was so thankful for. I had some of the leaders of our deaf ministry come to me. And they said, Pastor, we've been talking and, and we voted. We want to make sure that we give a gift. And you know what they gave us? $1,000 to help with this deficit. You see, I'm thinking, wow. Here's a group of people that, that aren't wealthy people. And here's a group of people, though, who've been so touched by God's grace and the ministry of this church, they want to help and they want to give. You see? That we, I, I was thankful for that. And Paul in these chapters, you know, Paul, Paul is not asking for money for himself. What, what's the collection all about? The collection is about the poor church in Jerusalem. And that church of poor people were, were poor because of uh, all kinds of economic issues. And they were losing their jobs and all. Not because of just the economy being bad. You know why they were losing their jobs? Because people who owned businesses were getting rid of them because they were Christians. And so here's, here's people at the church in Jerusalem who were poor and needy and being persecuted terribly. And so the Apostle Paul, way back in Acts, you read about this, Paul begins to take a collection. And in chapter 8, he, he really is talking about the churches of Macedonia there. And he uses them as the example that even though they were poor, they were generous. And they gave. And so the church at... Um, at Corinth heard about it and they actually asked Paul can we get in on this project we want to give as well so they did have hearts that were were wanted to uh, that wanted to give and, and to help the church at, at Jerusalem and then something happened and Paul was concerned about this because they started to to uh, take this collection and all of a sudden they stopped co the collection they stopped giving and so Paul was concerned about that. Why was he concerned? He, does, he doesn't really tell us why they stopped giving, but most likely the scholars of 2 Corinthians believe that they stopped giving because of the troublemakers and because they started to hear things uh, of, uh, that they were saying about Paul and they said, we need to stop even giving. 
And Paul's coming back to him and saying, you know what? You need to give, and you need to be like the Macedonians. You, you need to give uh, as unto God, not, not as unto anybody else. And so they began to collect again. Paul eventually makes it to Corinth. And while he was at Corinth, he was there for probably about three months. And uh, during that time, he actually wrote the book of Romans. And then the conclusion of the book of Romans, you know what he, he talks about? How the collection was completed. And that the people at Corinth gave and gave and gave. And they received all the funds that they needed to uh, take care of the poor and needy at the church in Jerusalem. And so he, he goes through this uh, exhortation and he, he talks about how we're to, to give and how he challenges them and, and how we're to celebrate and praise and thank God. But here's the conclusion then in verse 15. We're going to look more at this on Wednesday night in our, thanks, our Thanksgiving Eve service. But here's, here's the conclusion. Here is uh, kind of, uh, you know, the, the apple or, or the, uh, you know, cherry on top of the Sunday. here. Here's the best of it all. He says this, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So what's the greatest gift that we should be thankful for? Well, he wants us to know that Jesus is God's greatest gift to us. And so uh, he, he, he focuses on that in this conclusion. That, that when we, we ought to celebrate because we realize what Jesus did for us here on the cross of Calvary. That he gave his very life. That he shed his blood. He was battered and bruised all for us. And I think what Paul is saying here is that, that we owe God unlimited thanks. You can't thank God enough, in other words, for his gift to us of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so our hearts should be filled with gratitude and praise. We need to thank God for that greatest gift, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, this, this is, is really uh, the reflection of the very heart and central truth of the gospel. John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And what Paul's saying here is this. It's hard to understand. It's hard to, to get our minds around it, but it's a true statement, and it's a wow statement. And so it's unspeakable in the sense that we have that, that difficulty of how to, how to frame our gratitude toward God in words, but it doesn't mean that we don't tell others about it. So when we go back to this whole concept then, of thankfulness, we realize that it's something that comes from our hearts. It's an attitude, but it's also an expression. And so today, you know, the clarion call as we end the service is this, that God wants us to be givers, and he wants us to be thankful. And so the key principle, the more thankful you are, as, a, as a, a believer, the more thankful you are, the closer you will be to God and the happier you'll be as a follower of Jesus Christ. May God help us to be truly givers 
And may he help us to have hearts that are just filled with gratitude and thanks and praise uh, to him for his inexpressible gift of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.